Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Busy show today. We are going to touch a number of different uh, topics and uh, go around the country. We'll get a harvest update from the state of Ohio. We'll get a hurricane update from the state of North Carolina. And we'll get a reminder for all of us during this National Farm Safety Week about the importance of farm safety, whether you are a farmer or not, just anyone out on the roads this time of year, we all need to be very, very careful. We will talk with uh, an Illinois State Police Safety Education Officer coming up on today's program talking about farm safety and just safety in general out on the road. So that's all coming up on today's program. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a good day. Joining us now is DTN reporter Todd Neely. Todd, thank you for joining us. This has been another interesting week in the world of renewable fuels, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, nothing seems to uh, much change. It's always something new every week, it seems. Well, we've had the news of a couple of ethanol plants going to close down. What's the latest on that? Well, uh, you know, when we saw the report, there was a national media outlet that had reported uh, that Green Plains, Inc., based in Omaha, was uh, was going to be closing some of its plants. Now, we, we've actually known for pretty much this entire year that Green Plains is planning on selling uh, anywhere from four to six ethanol plants. I spoke to the CEO of the company earlier this week, and uh, he said that a lot of the reports that were coming out this week were a bit overblown. The company tends to, uh, you know, they depending on the market, they can shut plants down or put them on idle for a bit and uh, fire them back up in a day. And so Todd Becker, who's the CEO of Green Plains, said that this is just a normal course of business for us. We, uh, you know, we kind of respond to the markets as, as best we can and, uh, you know, they, and also another another part of this is we're coming into the, another maintenance period for a lot of ethanol producers. A lot of plants shut down for a few days just to do some maintenance work. And I and I think when this story came out, that was, that was the first thing that came to mind that you know it's probably a combination of those things. At this point, though, we're told that uh, Green Plains has not closed a single plant. Well, there was speculation that this was because of the um, RFS waivers being granted by EPA and showing a, a demand a destruction uh, that uh, has been talked about so much for the ethanol market. Was there any relationship there at all to that? Well, you know, uh, Todd Becker did talk a little bit about you know the, the ongoing concerns that they have with the waivers situation. Um, but really, I, I think for them... You know, they're, they're a more diversified ethanol company. You know, they've got fat, uh, feedlots. They've got a number of other different business segments. And so, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, they had announced this, what they called an optimization plan. They're going through all their business entities and uh, deciding what's making the best money and what makes the most sense going forward. And so, um, you know, while that waiver issue is obviously a big deal, um, I think the you know what Green Plains is doing is something that they plan to do all along. Now, elsewhere in the industry, we've actually heard of some expansion going on in some areas. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Poet out in Ohio, they got a plant in Marion, Ohio. Uh, they just yesterday opened up um, the second half, basically, of what that plant is. It's now a 150 million gallon plant. They added another 80 million gallons. Um, 
you know, Poet's an interesting company because it has a wide network of, you know, transportation, you know, various logistics in the ethanol industry. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm betting that Poet did that expansion out there because of a demand potentially going more toward the East Coast or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, it, it just depends who you are as an ethanol producer today. Right now the margins are very tight on a lot of, on a lot of companies. Um, but, you know, some of the bigger companies, Green Plains and Poet, you know, they're onward and upward and still, still chugging along. We're talking with DTN reporter Todd Neely. Meanwhile, Todd, we still wait for some kind of word on uh, allowing E15 to be sold year-round. Anything on that that you're hearing? Well, uh, you know, not a whole lot. I mean, what we've seen with the new, the new acting administrator is that he kind of does work behind the scenes. There aren't a lot of headlines about Andrew Wheeler. Um, I, would, I would bet that this is something that EPA is looking very closely at. And um, I, I would think that in the coming months, maybe on into next year, maybe we will know a little bit something. Um, you know, the other the interesting aspect of this, we hear a lot about uh, how difficult it might be for ethanol to respond if uh, E15 is allowed year-round, you know, that there are some barriers still to be, to be overcome. Um, you know, going back talking to Todd Becker this week, he said that he thought um, if, if they get the approval, you know, after public comment period, they, they expect um, – some 10,000 stations to convert over to E15 in a matter of a short time. Um, I don't know what the case is across the country, but when you hear that, I think uh, I think it suggests that the ethanol industry, you know, they've been working on these issues for a lot of years, and so they they probably if this if they get the go ahead, they're gonna they're gonna expedite things and really really get going on that. But we're still kind of waiting. Um, I think we'll know something relatively, you know, hopefully relatively soon. I've kind of thought all along we'd hear something kind of prior to the November elections, if uh, the president wanted to kind of give a boost, you know, going into yeah. rural America, uh, going into uh, those elections. Absolutely. You know, and that, you know, that's still a possibility. You know, we're about, what, a month and a half out. Um, you know, I, there's some other things going on at EPA related to the RFS, so I, you know, I guess that could still be a possibility. And we're still waiting. We'll see what those 2019 RVO numbers are, although, as the renewable fuels industry continues to point out, if there isn't a change in the waiver policy, uh, right. those numbers don't have the same impact as they would otherwise. Yeah, and, and the big thing, I think, going forward on that, uh, blends of ethanol more than anything else. And so we talk about E15. Um, <clears throat> you know, if EPA approves E15, we still have that waiver issue that's going to make that a very interesting situation. But, um, you know, I, I think EPA is responding. I, I, I really do think that, uh, this new acting administrator is trying to make it right, uh, you know, for everybody involved. So we'll see what happens. Will also be interesting to see: Do they raise the numbers for biodiesel, which the biodiesel industry would like to see higher numbers? And also, we wait to see if Congress would uh, put in the uh, a permanent or whatever, as close to permanent as Congress can do, uh, the the biodiesel tax incentive. Those two things would really help the biodiesel industry. Absolutely, you know, and this this industry is for years. It's been kind of on the cusp of, you know, really taking off. I mean, they every year that EPA has put out the RFS numbers for uh, biodiesel, uh, the industry's always said, well, you know, we can do more than that. And I mean, sometimes what the industry's saying and when sometimes what the EPA says on the volumes are quite a ways off. And so uh, we'll see what happens. You know, there's a push uh, just this week. A, a group of House members had sent a letter to the administrator saying that. Uh, they'd like to see that biodiesel number closer to 2.8 billion gallons. I think, um, 
you know, EPA, I believe, has set it somewhere around 2.4 or 2.5 in the proposal. Uh, but, yeah, there's still a push on for that. And I, I think the industry would respond. I think it could probably probably hit the 2.8 and beyond that. Yeah, I do, too. I think they're just mm-hmm. waiting for the signals and some certainty, and I think that industry could really take off. All right, Todd, Absolutely. good to talk with you again. Thanks a lot. All right. Hey, thanks, Mike. You bet. DTN reporter Todd Neely. All right, later in the program, an update on Hurricane Florence damage in North Carolina. We'll talk with the uh, president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. Also, we're going to take a look at the harvest in Ohio. We'll talk with an Ohio farmer in a little bit. But coming up next, we're going to focus on farm safety during this National Farm Safety Week. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff, even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover key tar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To 
find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, this is National Farm Safety Week, although every week should be Farm Safety Week. But we take this time to really focus on it and remind everyone, whether you're a farmer or not, if you're out there, on, especially on rural roads this time of year, be careful. Be patient. Be observant. Be careful. Let's talk about it with Trooper Tracy Lillard, statewide social media coordinator for the Illinois State Police. Tracy, thank you for joining us on Adams and Agriculture. My pleasure. I, I talk a lot about this. We, when we talk about Farm Safety Week, it's very important to remind farmers to take the proper precautions and, and safety precautions and shut that equipment off before working on it and those types of things. Make sure the, the equipment has the proper lighting and, and emblems on it and everything. But it's also an important time for just anyone out on those roads. We're sharing roads with uh, large, uh, slower-moving equipment, and we all have to be very careful and work together on this, don't we? Yes, and, you know, even this morning um, on my commute into work, I was behind a, a combine, and he obviously he was taking up the majority of the two-lane highway. Um, he was traveling much slower than a normal, a normal vehicle, and I recognized that. I mean, clearly it's a, it's a large machine, but he pulled over and um, was waiting for oncoming traffic to go by, and then he also stayed over for enough time that, I was able to pass him safely. And something that I don't think uh, motorists understand is those those combines, a lot of those newer ones have video cameras in there. They can actually see where those motorists are, and they're going to try to get you around. They're going to do it, but they have to do it safely. And so, you know, if you're very vigilant when you're driving, you're able to share the road safely with these farmers because um, that, that emblem, that emblem really means a lot. And I, the more education we can give, on what that emblem means to a motorist, um, hopefully everybody will be a lot safer. And you're involved with a lot of those educational efforts. Tell us about them. Yes. So we do a lot of uh, farm safety for the general public, and I do a lot on social media as well. But, you know, every opportunity that I can uh, teach about slow-moving vehicles, farm safety, sharing the road safely with um, with those tractors or those green semis, I, I do that, whether it be a high school class or a, um, an adult class or, you know, just at a rotary group. Uh, earlier this week, I spoke to a rotary group, and it's not necessarily that people don't um, fully understand it. It's more that they just need a refresher, and anytime we can share that message, uh, that's a great opportunity just to remind people. Well, I guess we're all guilty of it. When we're out on the roads, we're seemingly almost always in a hurry and we get impatient if we're slowed down yeah. and that can lead to problems if we're not careful right um when you're pulling up on a vehicle that's moving at a much slower rate especially a, a farm vehicle or the the truck that's pulling the you know the corn head on a trailer if you're impatient if you're um, not paying attention if you're you know distracted by your phone or you're distracted by something that's inside the car you're going to come up on that piece of equipment and much too quickly. A lot of times when people are impatient, they try to pass. And when they're passing this farm machinery on the road, even if it's a two-lane highway, 
Um, but especially if it's a county road and these people are trying to pass on a county road, which is unsafe, um, that's where the problems can can arise. Uh, one of the biggest things is we're trying to remind motorists not to pass at an intersection. And one of the main reasons it's obviously it's illegal to pass at an intersection, but one of the main reasons that we want people to understand that is because that, that grain truck could be swinging right. You know, he's swinging right, but his left single's on. And, you know, now the motorist is like, well, what in the world is he doing? So they're impatient, and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to pass them. And so they go to pass on the left at an intersection, which in and of itself is illegal. But what the, what the motorist doesn't understand is that his left turn signal is on because he's turning left. However, he's swinging right because he has to make a tight turn, whether it be onto a roadway or into a field entrance. Um, you know, I was born and raised on a farm, so I understand what they're doing, but a lot of these motorists don't. And when you're impatient, when you're in a hurry, uh, you don't give those those farmers that time that they need and that, that room that they need to make those turns. So following too closely, passing in intersections, any of those, those violations that um, we would normally see on a day-to-day basis, it becomes a matter of life and death when it's involving a farm implement. We're talking farm safety with Illinois State Police Trooper Tracy Lillard. Uh, Tracy, I think you hit on something. You said you you uh, are from a farm, so you recognize what's happening. But so many people on the roads today are not from a farm, and that's where it's important for them to, uh, and this is where the educational part comes in, so they recognize and understand what's going on there. Absolutely. The, the, the slow-moving vehicle emblem, Excuse me. The slow-moving vehicle emblem and or the lights, the hazard lights, the the blinkers, the indicators. You know these these pieces of equipment have all those things, but the the the, the disconnect is that the motoring public might not understand what that means. And so, you know, we can we can ask the motoring public on any given day, how fast can a combine run up and down the road? Well, they have no idea. They assume they can go as fast as other people. They don't understand that they're only traveling at 20 miles an hour or 25 miles an hour. Um, they don't understand about the top heavy on a sprayer or, you know, there's just so many things that we, we as police officers can use that information and then share that with the public so that they can understand it. Grain trucks, you know, an 80,000 pound grain truck can't get up to full speed on a country road or even on a highway um, like a normal car can. So that, that extra distance that you need to leave them, um, you know that's that's so important, and so I try to use my I try to use my farming I, I say a farming background. Obviously, I'm not a farmer, but my grandparents and my parents and my brother, you know, they're all farmers. And when I can use their their information and share that with the public in hopes to you know to prevent a crash, that's my goal. And for farmers, making sure they have the emblems up there, make sure their lights are working, that's important. Uh, so we, we get recognition by the motorists and make sure farmers have the proper uh, uh, warnings up there for everyone. Right. And make sure, your, make sure your lights are, you know, they get dusty out there in the field. We understand that. Um, make sure your lights are clearly visible and make sure you're operating your equipment, you know, at the right time of day. Don't, don't do it before dawn. Don't do it after dusk where it's, it's difficult for, for other motorists to see. And, you know, have your lights on, make sure everything's functioning correctly. And if you're going to travel in a convoy, I, I keep calling them convoys, but when you're going to travel with your, your truck, your auger pulling the head, when you're traveling down the road with all of those pieces of equipment, make sure that you are absolutely visible 
and that, you know, you all kind of travel in a pack. And the reason I want you to do that is I want you to make sure that the public, when they they see that, that group of um, equipment, you know, those all those farmers traveling at once, then they might be less apt to try to pass or try to cut in between and, um, you know, just be very vigilant, even as a farmer on the road. Um, give those people give those people extra room too. Those people that you're traveling next to on the road might not understand um, what it's, what it's like to drive next to equipment. Yeah. We all have to work together on this. And uh, unfortunately, I think sometimes when we start talking farm safety or may, or just safety in general, I guess uh, a lot of it, we kind of take for granted or think, Oh, we've heard this before, but uh, it's something, it's a message we do need to hear all the time, be reminded of. And then of course, heed those warnings. Right. And that's, it's, it's, that's the thing. We can, we can say this, you know, I can tell you about the speed limit till I'm blue in the face, but I'm going to continue to talk about the speed limit. I'm going to continue to talk about slow-moving vehicle emblems and, and turn signals and, you know, following distance because it is a message of safety. It's extremely important to not only myself but to the Illinois State Police. Um, and and we, want, we want these farmers to get to where they're going. We're, you know, we're in the heart of the Midwest where, where agriculture is absolutely vibrant and and we want to make sure that these farmers get to where they're going safe we understand that they're moving their equipment from field to field and if we can convey that information to the average you know the the average driver that's out here that might not be related to anybody in agriculture this is our opportunity to share that with them so that not only the farmer is safe but also the driver Um, especially when you talk about discs and and plows you know i've seen i've seen horrendous car accidents and um a lot of them are avoidable. They're they're preventable, and so the more we can educate, the better. Well, Tracy, thank you for being with us. It's uh, it's great to hear your understanding of the situation and uh, the work that you do to educate people about uh, uh, farm safety. Thank you so much for being with us. You're ab- you're welcome. You guys have a great day. All right. Take care. That is Illinois State Police Trooper Tracy Lillard, statewide social media coordinator, talking about farm safety and uh, sharing those roads. And, boy, some great information there. And it is great to hear her understanding of the situation with a, with some uh, ag background that she brings to it. So you know she's a great spokesperson out there telling people about these important reminders of farm safety. All right. Earlier in the week, we tried to get a hold of Larry Wooten, president of the of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, but uh, his schedule wouldn't allow it. But I think it's going to today. Let's hope so. And so we get a Hurricane Florence update for the state of North Carolina. That is coming up next. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. on-road or off-road, you'll find the FS lubricant you need from our full line of premium quality products. At FS, our lubricants use the highest quality base oils and latest additive technology to meet and exceed most manufacturer's specifications. Advanced protection against wear ensures you'll get maximum value from both your lubricant and equipment investments. Squeeze every bit of performance out of every piece of equipment you own. Let the FS energy specialists help you go further. Go further with FS. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, 
even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, we've got a Thursday mix. In the outside markets, the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500 rose to new intraday highs on Thursday. Rising frictions in global trade have rocked the markets this year. Investors monitoring talks between the U.S. and Canada on the future of the North American Free Trade Agreement. After her second meeting of the day with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, Canada's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Christia Freeland, telling reporters they plan to keep on talking on Thursday. Investors also looking ahead to next week's Federal Reserve meeting. Chicago wheat futures trading lower despite talk of unseasonable frost possibly damaging Australia's crop, which is already weathered damage this year due to dry conditions. Egypt buying 475,000 tons of wheat across two tenders late on Tuesday, mostly from Russia, one from Ukraine. Chicago wheat trending one to three and a half cents lower, one to two lower in Kansas City wheat, penny and a fraction lower in Minneapolis spring wheat. Corn futures trending two to three cents higher, the recent selling wave taking December new crop from a high of 369 on September 11th into Tuesday's low at 342 and a half. Soybean futures trending near steady money, gains through the 10-day moving average at 833 and a half on November could improve the minor short-term trend. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, trending 25 to 35 cents lower, 15 to 65 higher in feeder cattle, 15 to $1.15 better in lean hog futures. Outside markets, the Dow up over 200 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We are joined by the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, Larry Wooten. Want to get an update, a damage assessment uh, following Hurricane Florence. Larry, thank you for joining us. I know you've been out in the country, around the state. Uh, kind of give us your overview. Well, Mike, thank you for having us on this morning. Certainly, uh, this storm couldn't have come at a worse time for North Carolina agriculture. We're in the beginning or the middle of the harvest of many of our crops, and certainly uh, 
when you have uh, winds that come in at 100 miles an hour in the main part of your agricultural region and uh, floods, uh, obviously the floods, uh, the, the excessive rains are going to be the story of Hurricane Florence here in North Carolina and North Carolina agriculture. We had rainfall anywhere from 24 to 36 inches in some of our parts of our eastern North Carolina where we already had reached uh, the maximum amount that we had uh, uh, could get in a year. We had already reached that by this time of year, and certainly adding 24 to 36 inches makes every part of eastern North Carolina basically a floodplain. But we're okay. We're uh, we're out now assessing uh, some of the floodwaters are going down in some parts of eastern North Carolina. Other parts, the rivers are still cresting. Um, and so there were roads that were open yesterday that are closed today, uh, and certainly that's the big story. Uh, many of our many of our main roads are either flooded or blown out uh, from the flash floods, and then obviously you know what that does to all those farm roads and secondary roads where our farmers uh, have are, are being cut off from their poultry, their livestock facilities, uh, their crops, and so we're still trying to assess. For North Carolina tobacco, we grow 50% of all the tobacco that's grown in the United States, and about 50% of that tobacco was still left in the field. Uh, that's almost 100% loss. Uh, and for our tobacco farmers, it's really adding insult to injury. Our market this year was not very good anyway as a result of the, uh, the tariffs. The tariffs uh, on tobacco, particularly with the Chinese, our largest market, hit us uh, really hard on tobacco. So it's, uh, this, this, uh, this weather uh, event uh, really added insult to injury. But uh, we'll see. Some of the tobacco was covered by crop insurance, and that that wasn't, it's just it's going to be a total loss and a really a, a devastating economic issue for our farmers. Cotton, we have not begun to harvest any cotton yet, and it's still a question mark uh, what's going to happen there. The little bit that was open, the bowls were open, obviously, the quality is going to be affected. Uh, so that's still a question mark. Our sweet potato crop, we grow more sweet potatoes than any other state in the nation. Uh, probably only about 25% of the sweet potatoes were out. It's yet to be determined uh, uh, the salvageability of, of uh, some of those potatoes. If they've been underwater for 24 uh, to 48 hours, obviously rot sets in. They, they begin to sour. But our farmers are beginning to get out now as quick as they can get on the field to turn them up to see if, you know, the quality of those potatoes. All of our peanuts are still in the ground. Uh, we think we may be okay on peanuts, uh, depending on where they were and how much water uh, stood on them, whether it be rising water, flood water. And then uh, soybeans, we, we don't know. It's uh, If you were close to the coast there, when you have winds uh, 100 to you know, 110, 80 to 110 miles an hour, there's a salt spray that comes off that ocean. And uh, we'll just it will not only salt spray on soybeans, but any other crop that's out there, including the trees. So um, we're, we're doing okay. We're just going to have to assess what the damage is and move forward. I can't be more proud of our poultry and uh, hog farmers here in North Carolina in terms of all the pre-preparation work that they had done in preparation for this hurricane because they had just pumped down those lagoons uh, three and four days, been a week just pumping them down in advance. Uh, we've, been, we've seen this movie before, so we know how to begin to pre prepare for it. But certainly this was such a slow-moving storm and dumped so much water that uh, 
we've got some lagoons that are certainly in trouble. We've got over 3,000 lagoons uh, in, in North Carolina. Uh, some of those are uh, in trouble, but if you look at it percentage-wise, certainly uh, it's, not, uh, you know, it's not a high percentage. I got a call from a farmer the other day that wanted me to call the governor and our DEQ department and tell them to come down and uh, come down to his farm and get their river out of his lagoon. Uh, his, his lagoon was okay, but the state's river had gotten up and gotten in his lagoon. So, you know, those are some of the challenges we're facing. Uh, we've lost uh, about, according to the Department of Ag, we've lost about three million uh, birds right now, turkeys and chickens. Obviously, uh, nobody likes that, but when we have probably 230, 40 million at any one time on the ground, uh, you know, that's a very small percentage. But our farmers don't like to lose uh, livestock or poultry, but when you have, as I said, when you have the type of rain that we have, 36 inches in, in a couple of places, uh, every place becomes a floodplain. We're talking with Larry Wooten, president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. Larry, let's talk more about those uh, lagoons because, as you stated, a lot of work was done in uh, in advance of the hurricane, but uh, still you're dealing with this huge uh, storm. Uh, we've seen some environmental groups uh, already criticizing, saying, pointing to, uh, uh, you know, the spills and uh, what's come out of those lagoons. As you said, it's really a small percentage of of the uh, state's hog farms. Uh, what is your overall assessment of uh, how the pork industry in your state handled this? Our, our pork industry, our farmers, our integrators had done a tremendous job in preparation. They had almost all of our pork farms are have auxiliary generator i've been on those pork farms the last two or three days they are they're getting they, they've got generators to get feed and water and air to those animals uh and uh those lagoons uh the the top with that kind of water the top uh, 24 inches of that water is just nothing but rain water to preserve those lagoons if one's in trouble uh, they are, those farmers are around the clock uh, trying to pump, look at them, make sure everything stays in there. We've had only three, I think, complete breaches out of all those lagoons. And so, you know, one of the things that uh, one of the things that incenses me right now, Mike, is uh, you know when our farmers are out there doing everything they can do to preserve livestock, uh, poultry, uh, to have a helicopter by just flying over trying to get a gotcha, I think, is, in, is very insensitive. What we don't need right now in North Carolina and our hog operations in our eastern North Carolina, we don't need Monday morning quarterbacks second-guessing what our farmers in the industry have done when you have torrential rains and monumental rains. We can have those discussions for another day. Right now, uh, what we need is their help. If they got some helicopters flying around, they ought to be trying to help make sure that we get feed and our farmers to some of those stranded animals. Larry, let's talk about the recovery efforts. Tell us what's going on there and how can people help? Well, one of the things, we, we're, we're, it's a little premature right now to say what a recovery effort looks like. Obviously, we're going to be with the governor tomorrow. We've been, but these waters, you know, these farmers, not only are the public roads blown out, but a lot of the farm roads are blown out, so they can't move around. Even our with our insurance company getting adjusters to begin to, to look at the damage. Obviously, the big story is going to be flooding. It's not going to be wind. Uh, we've, we've got some wind damage but in, in some of the coastal counties. But for agriculture, the big loss is going to be on floods and certainly 
not winds, and certainly the damage will be crop damage. But, you know, we have here, uh, there are going to be uh, funds set up, sites set up to if people want to contribute money. Uh, right now we're not, we're not advertising that we need, uh, you know, that we need feed or fencing or any of that type stuff yet. That will come. Uh, depending on the on the assessment and the and the needs across eastern North Carolina, but certainly we appreciate uh, everybody's concern and uh, just stay tuned. I mean, obviously the Red Cross is here. We've got great uh, we've got great teams from other states that are in here uh, helping our people, uh, helping preserve animals and livestock. I saw uh, the Missouri folks had. Uh, uh, animal rescue folks in here. So, you know, people are, are, are caring just as we do when natural disasters occur, occur in other states. Well, it'll take a while for the assessment, that's for sure. And then uh, recovery, uh, be it's it's a long-term recovery, isn't it? It'll take a while. Oh, uh, this, you know, you know, I told some folks yesterday, you know, for a lot of our folks, you know, if you get, if you get, they, they're here, particularly in the Raleigh area, we had very little damage here. You know, if you got your powers back on, uh, your you know your water's running, uh, your grocery store shelves are full of food. Uh, you got your yard cleaned up. You're looking at football this weekend. You're back to normal. But for those farmers uh, down in eastern North Carolina who haven't had a shower in a week, uh, whose uh, whose roads are blown out, whose homes are are without power, been without power a week, whose freezers are been without power everything is out of there it's got to be thrown away you know it's going to take months even years uh for, for them to get back to normal so you know that's that's what uh when people want to criticize uh, you know what's going on uh I, you know i would uh, certainly advise them to uh to, to to be willing to help and not be second guessing and criticizing uh the poultry industry the livestock industry or what's going on in agriculture our folks have done uh, the, the very, very best uh, that, that they can. Our farmers are going into the FSA office right now uh, reporting their crop losses, uh, and so that's, 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 where, that's where we are. All right, Larry, thank you very much for the update and the overview. We will stay in touch as you get more information and those recovery efforts get underway and uh, try to pass along any information we can, but we'll stay in touch with you. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate it very much. And uh, just stay in touch. Uh, we'll be glad to talk either myself or Linda Loveland or some folks on our staff will be glad to talk with you as we uh, as we begin to uh, get this cleanup in, underway and, and finish our assessments. All right. Thanks, Larry. Take care. Thank you, Mike. Larry Wooten, president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, with an assessment of uh, the damage from... Hurricane Florence and uh, the recovery that uh, is ahead of them there for many in the state of North Carolina. We'll switch to the state of Ohio next, get a harvest update. That's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we continue our look at Harvest 18, and we go back to the state of Ohio. Last we talked with Cy Prettyman. They, he was just getting started. Cy, how much have you got done now? <laughs> just uh, just started two days ago. I cut some beans. Uh, so after the Farm Science Review on Tuesday, I came home and uh, opened up a field of beans and got started on that. And we got a little shower on Tuesday night unexpectedly, so I didn't get back in until late yesterday afternoon and then got a couple more loads off so just rolling on the beans a little bit okay what are your early bean yields how do they look they look pretty good um i haven't got all the total totals on the weights there but they'll be north of 65 i've heard some guys saying north of 70 uh on yields so looking pretty good right through our area yeah and you were expecting good bean yields right we were we were i was uh i was pretty optimistic we'll have some really uh, really good yields so um, and, and so we'll see. We get into some of the later maturity. Those are some two eight beans, and we'll see if they continue to, to go up. Much corn out in your area yet? I saw a little more corn uh, coming off uh, as I went down to the Farm Science Review on Tuesday, uh, but not a lot. A little bit in the southern part of our county. I heard some guys saying they were a little drier down there, and um, but they've gotten into some corn and anywhere from. Uh, probably in that 200 range, plus or minus 10, 15 bushel, was kind of what the, the rumors were floating around from the, what those guys had harvested. So really, you're just getting going, kind of a uh, stop and start uh, with the showers you're getting. Yeah, it was for me on the beans here, but uh, I think we'll, well, it looks like we got a day or two, we got some more showers maybe coming in on Friday with the front, and uh, and then early next week looks a little wet again. So we'll have to see what what the fall gives us. I'll be headed your way, in fact, going right by the Farm Science Review uh, grounds on my way to the Buckeye game this weekend. Uh, how was uh, the Farm Science Review, your big farm show there? Uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty hot when I was down there on <laughs> Tuesday. So I think the crowds were coming early and the afternoons were uh, thinning out pretty quick. Uh, and I think this year we've probably got more guys that are maybe heading home and trying trying to get some harvest done. Uh, we may be a little bit ahead of the schedule on some of the crops. We were just talking with the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau to get an assessment of damage uh, from Hurricane Florence. Have you gotten? Uh, have you been getting remnants of that hurricane as far as moisture moving through Ohio? That came through earlier in the week, um, 
and it stayed just to the east of me. I got no rain out of it, um, but uh, the southeastern part of Ohio, those guys caught anywhere from probably a half inch to maybe as much as an inch and a half or so, depending on where you're located. So it just just barely stayed uh, east of me, just a county or so away. Now, I'm sure, Cy, that you uh, sold a, a lot of your crop early on at a much higher price, so uh, you're you're not that worried about it, right? You've got that taken care of. Uh, we've got some taken care of, but uh, <laughs> if the yields come in uh, uh, strong for us, obviously we'll have we'll have more crop to sell. So we're hoping that we can get some of these trade disputes uh, settled and maybe get this pricing turned around a little bit. Any concerns about having enough storage capacity with a big crop coming in? Yeah, I'll be short. Uh, I've I've got a decent amount. I can, I can cover most of most of what I have. I do have what I have to take in here in the fall. A majority of it I do have covered, so uh, I'm not stuck on the cash market on all of that, uh, but I'll probably have a little bit of, of excess uh, the way the yields are looking. That, that way I still will have to market here this fall. But I am hearing some concerns. A lot of There was a lot of old crop corn sitting in bins, and same way on beans that uh, just went in, say, in August. So I don't, I'm a little concerned the elevators are full with some old crop, and now we got new crop coming in, and... Um, I'm not sure where it's all going to go. Yeah, that's uh, going to be a story to watch as this harvest progresses. Uh, when you look at your corn crop, good stock quality, is it going to stand well for you while you uh, wait to get out there? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I was out in some fields on Sunday pulling some ears for some tests I was running, and uh, I was pushing around on the stocks, and they, and they seemed pretty good. Uh, we did ha- see a decent amount of disease pressure just because of some of the wetter conditions we had. Uh, through late July and into August. Um, but I think it looks pretty decent. I have had some guys say that they've jumped into harvest on corn because they are concerned about stock quality. So it'll probably be a mixed bag on that. I, I'm feeling pretty confident online that it, it can stand for a while, but it is it is dried down quickly, and uh, there's just not much green left in, in any of the plants throughout our area. Is this, uh, when you look at, at what you... The time frame when you would normally be harvesting, are you early, about right on, or how does this compare with what you would normally be doing? Probably a tick on the early side. Um, usually, It's usually after farm science review when I roll. So I usually roll into that week or the following week. That's usually kind of my gauge. So I would say I'm a, a little bit ahead on, on getting beans started, and, and I think we'll jump into the corn pretty quickly too. I, uh, what I hand-shelled there on Sunday that was some uh, corn I had sprayed with fungicide. It was still 27 and 30, the two, two fields I pulled a few years out of. So it's got a little dry down yet. So do you think uh, you're going to be able to get some more done today then? Yeah, looks good today. Uh, no fog overnight, light dew, so hopefully we can get an early start. And looks like we've got today and, uh, and then into tomorrow. I think after, tomorrow afternoon there's another front coming through that may drop a quarter to half inch rain on us. What about Saturday for the game I'm coming to? Is it supposed to rain Saturday in Columbus? Uh, I don't think so. It looks like it's going to clear out. It's going to be a perfect fall day. Highs in the, like 65, 70 degrees. Uh, so it should be a perfect day for football. Great. Sounds good. Go Bucks. Thanks a lot, Cy. We'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch during your harvest. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Cy Prettyman, Ohio farmer, uh, just uh, getting started, just getting some into these beans and uh, 
uh, kind of working around some uh, showers here early in the harvest season. So that's going to wrap it up for today. Thanks to all of our guests. Tracy Lillard with the Illinois State Police. Uh, some great reminders and tips uh, on farm safety. Larry Wooten, North Carolina Farm Bureau President for that uh, uh, damage assessment, uh, an update from North Carolina following Hurricane Florence and Cy Prettyman with uh, his harvest update from Ohio. Coming up tomorrow, we will talk with the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson, get a farm bill update. Are we going to get this thing done anytime soon or not? We'll get his thoughts tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. <music>